Welcome to the Think and Learn Smarter experience. Here I will sit down with people from all walks of life and talk with them about experiences that have shaped them. Everyone learns from their own experiences, but the best learn from the experiences of others. Now, let's get into it. So today I'm here with Jared Brennan, ex-Dublin footballer and current head coach at the Carla Seniors. Uh, Jared is also head of GA in UCD and is involved in a rake of other roles too. Jared, thanks a million for taking the time today for a chat. I know you were saying earlier you aren't as busy as usual, but I'm sure you're still flat out at home doing stuff. Connell, thanks for having me and great to be here with you. Um, working from home uh, with COVID, Connell, I, I, I have two young kids. Uh, Patrick is, is three and a half and Aveen is she'd be two in March. So um, they've taken up a fair bit of our time, myself and the wife. Thankfully, the creches are back open and we've been able to uh, send the kids over and they can play around their pals. So it kind of frees up our, our headspace again at home. But um, certainly the first lockdown, probably same for most people, it was a bit of a, a shock to the system. Um, the uncertainty around where we were going as a nation, uncertainty around our understanding of what the, this, this d- disease could do to you. But um, no, I'm not too bad, Connell. I'm a glass half full guy the whole time, and and you you probably have to count your blessings and and, and be grateful uh, for what you have, and, and and not let the thing get in on you. So uh, so I'm not too bad, you know. So thanks, thanks, thanks for asking. That's great to hear. And uh, it was a bit of I know you're glass half full, and it's good that you got a chance to go in with the Carlo footballers before mm-hmm. the third lockdown, I guess, started. Uh, how have you found like kind of settling into the new role? The fact that you wouldn't have like that. Um, face-to-face interaction with the players now how are you finding that so yeah going back to before christmas we with the status that gaelic games had for um inter-county we, we were able to train the guys three times a week so i i, I would have had a, a letter to travel down to carlo it's actually only about an hour and five maybe an hour and ten minutes from from my home so uh it's it's not too bad um that was actually something i really enjoyed just Put a bit of structure on the week for myself and it was something to look forward to um and and again i i i found myself quite grateful and and and, and as a coaching staff with with, with carlo we we try to impart that gratefulness onto the players that you know we're part of a very small bunch of people on the island who are able to actually uh, travel and, and meet up as a group uh, uh to partake in our national game so so that was a good experience, Colonel, uh, certainly beforehand. Um, since uh, third lockdown has begun and, you know, post-Christmas celebrations, the initial plans we would have had for January right up until kind of July, you'd, you'd kind of plan out your season fairly fairly well. We obviously had to think on our feet and you had to evolve. Um, there's a superb strength and conditioning coach involved with the Carlos Senior Footballers, uh, Kieran Nolan. And Kieran, in many ways, uh, is taking the brunt of, of the workload at the moment in, in liaison with players, in liaising with players and management their managing their uh, training programs. Um, you have in any different squad, if you, you, you players at different training ages and gym ages, and um, to be able to um, make a, a program specific to that individual, and then checking in regularly. Kieran has had to do an awful lot of, of stuff there. Noel crew, the, the manager, myself, and the two selectors 
where probably more so uh, checking in with the guys nearly from an emotional point of view and mental health point of view. Um, we give a couple of tips here and there and where they can improve in the performance, but one has to be realistic of what can be achieved in um, the current climate, you know. So, For sure, yeah, definitely. Have you touched on twice there about being glass half full and be, and trying to be appreciative of what you have? Mm. Uh, where would that have come from? Would that have come from, say, your faith in God or what, what would you say would be causing that? So probably started from home, Colonel, obviously for a lot of people, um, my, my, my parents, uh, Mary and PJ, I, I, I'm the fifth of nine kids. Growing up in the north inner city in Dublin, um, we would have attended kind of two churches, really, Berkeley Road Church near the Matter Hospital and uh, more so St. Francis Saviour Church in Gardner Street. And um, uh, that upbringing that we had where we weren't allowed probably to give out um certainly my mother in particularly um anytime we'd be moaning about something we were told just to uh shut up in a nice way uh in a motherly way and and uh, get on with things uh you're lucky to have a roof over your head and uh don't be feeling sorry for yourself so so it probably started for, uh, from the family home going back Connell. um from a faith point of view uh, church is and continues to be a huge part of my life and that personal personal relationship with with the the divine, um, trying to check into that on a daily basis is something that enriches my life. Um, very much aware of any of your viewers, the, maybe their experience of church uh, may be different to mine, and also the sins and the faults that organised religion has uh, has committed. Um, and we see more recently with the modern baby homes and. You know, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be um, um, bad stuff that needs to have a light shone on it and people made accountable. But um, at a very basic level, kind of, uh, one's fate is, is very, very personal. And um, having explored it, having spent five years studying theology in Minute University, um, it, it, it's, it's something that uh, I, I, I came away from Minute haven't got anyone an awful lot of questions. I still have questions, mind you, but um, I, I'm I'm very much certain of of of, of a belief in a in a divine creation in, in something greater going on in the world uh, than just what we see. And uh, so, yeah, that face. Uh, I definitely have my bad days too, as my wife will attest to. Um, I'd be grumpy. I'd be giving out or a few bad sleeps with the young kids, kind of all ahead of you, please God. Of course. Um, and uh, that that's that's a challenge in itself. But but you know you you growing up in Ireland, Connell, you know poverty in Ireland is very different to poverty in in in, in Colombia or or parts of Africa. And, and and again, I would have gone over to Colombia twice with the Jesuits, youth volunteers. Um, after my leaving search here and after my first year in college, we went over for months during the summer working in an orphanage there and teaching English in the local barrios uh, neighborhoods. And again, like I'll just say again, poverty in Ireland, uh, if you're a poor person in Ireland and you're going to Colombia, you're a rich person. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's just a different, a different existence. And I know uh, our standards as a society, we we're, we're obviously continuing and striving to improve those standards for people. And there is a large issue of homelessness and lack of housing. And those things are important to uh, to be fixed. But, um, you know, if you are feeling sorry for yourself, you know, uh, just have a look across the water. 
to more poorer nations and you know there's gonna be someone far far uh less off than than yourself you know so but i'll be here all day talking with the face so good um you know it's it's uh but i don't know i don't know i don't add add hours to to your viewers you know so <laughs> fair enough no i just found it interesting because there, there seems to be a connection between like thinking positively and generally speaking having a bit of a spiritual view but uh, you touched on the fact that you managed to go with the Jesuits out to Colombia twice. And mm. um, you also had the chance to go to Jesuit school in Belvedere. Yeah. Did it uh, play much of a factor in your decision to go into college and um, go down the kind of uh, study theology in Minute? So people ask, well, yes is the answer. Um, people quite often ask, you know, where is God uh, in the world? And uh, to give you... Uh, um, a chronological, somewhat chronological series of events. Connell, through going to Garnistry Church as a kid, which is a Jesuit church too, um, I, I, I joined uh, the Music Makers, which is ran by a Jesuit brother, Tom Phelan, and he taught kids from the inner city music, uh, guitar and keyboard, Timosel. And from that, Connell, um, I began to play in the Children's Mass in, in Garnistry. I got to know brother Raymond Davis. Um, I began swimming in Belvedere while I was still in primary school. Um, and from those interactions, uh, my parents were directed towards the um, uh, social justice scholarship for the social diversity program, I think they call it now in the school, where of the 120 odd um, uh, first years taken in each year, anywhere from 10 to 15% are brought in on scholarship from uh, socio disadvantaged areas. So I was one of those kids that got brought in. Um, so through playing, continuing to play music in the church, I got involved in the Garden Street Gospel Choir. Um, uh, in the Garden Street Gospel Choir, a couple of the guys uh, who were much older than I was, I was one of the youngest there, I was still in school, a lot of them were kind of in, in their college years. They had gone on and volunteered in Zambia and, and, and Colombia. Um, I, I spoke to them about what we were doing, um, the whole idea of uh, living Ignatian spirituality, um, which we were being taught in school, and the more than yourself at Clongos, and um, you know the elements of I suppose Ignatian spirituality, uh, particularly the whole idea of curious personalis, being a you know, a care to person, and then trying to be uh, a man for for other people. Um, mm -hmm and the the whole idea of the examine and, and and trying to look back over your day and even twice a day if you can and, and see how the day is going being being thankful to god for the good things but also being very much aware of of, of, of where you can improve and uh being aware of where you are being tempted uh by the devil um i fully believe in the existence of evil too which pulls and drags us away and the closer we get to God, um, the more he pops up and tries to pull us back down. Uh, and I have certainly been pulled back down on numerous occasions and nothing crazy now, but uh, just college life and young life and drinking and chasing ladies and everything else that goes with it and playing football and getting a bit of recognition and your ego gets a bit big and you think you're the big dick around town. Um, but uh, I've always been brought back down to earth by friends, family, but that, that, that call to, to be with God, to spend time in prayer, um, is something that, uh, from home through the parish, through school, 
um, it's given me great tools and um, uh, great foundations to, to, to live uh, a deeper and more enriched life is what I would say, you know. Mm -hmm. This is deep, Connell. I like this. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> yes, I have so, my coffee here. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's wrong. No, but no. Um, yeah, so I was wondering. So you went to Belvedere yourself, and you clearly had that kind of cure personalis and being a man for others. That that kind of um, like viewpoint definitely translates to sports. So mm. back in Belvedere, and even outside of Belvedere itself, you would have played the rugby and the football. Mm. Would you feel that that kind of attitude towards like selflessness helped you in like progressing through the different teams and kind of essentially a better team player no absolutely um and you know again uh i suppose to, to, to maybe focus on belvedere for a minute father jim cullerton um was one of our coaches and i remember playing junior cup rugby um it took me yeah it probably took me really till fifth or sixth year to actually understand the rules properly coming from soccer and, and kind of ga but uh i kind of got there but 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 Jim was 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 all about representing the uh, the school, uh, representing your teammates. Um, he, he, I always took um, from Jim the importance of being resilient. That pain is good. Um, you got to push through it. You got to bring people with you. Um, defeat is important because you have to learn from it and try to uh, uh, improve next time you take to the field. Um, but, but the, the whole, yeah, being resilient as an individual and being a leader, um, and being able to take people with you through your actions, um, uh, to, through your words as well, but, but, but more so through your actions is, uh, probably something that I, uh, try to, uh, adhere to, you know, but, uh, we, we, we are social animals and social creatures, um, notwithstanding the, the necessity to actually be able to sit still and, uh, and spend time and whether it's meditation, yoga, prayer, whatever um, helps people switch off the, the noise in their head and, and just to become present and to become still. Um, we need a bit of both, but um, I can't remember what you asked me, Colonel. But, uh, <laughs> I, I was saying teamwork, that... Uh, teamwork, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, teamwork is... is uh, and it's key and, 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 and it's something actually... I've, I've met a couple of athletes and boxers now in my time and um, athletics uh, student athletes and I always admire their uh, commitments because while they might have it but not while they might while they do have a team of trainers or a couple of teammates doing some of the runs with them or sparring with them um, when they're taken to the start line or taken to the ring it's only them and uh, I've always admired that uh, strengths and resolve that individual athletes have um, from a team perspective, there's days where you're not feeling good or not in the humor going training, or you could be just tired from the events of uh, the day. Uh, but when you get to training, you, you're you're picked up and you and you actually feed off the energy of your teammates. And, and, and people talk about energy sometimes and, and atmosphere. And again, this is just another example of something that is real, but it's hard to scientifically prove or mathematically uh, put a, an equation together, but you feel it, you know it's there, the energy's good or the energy's bad, and um, and you feel off that, and, and, and that whole idea of teamwork is, uh, is is something which I've always enjoyed. And As I kind of progress through the ranks, being captain of the club and, and captain of Dublin on a couple of occasions, and obviously the leadership role I'm in now, um, between coaching and, and uh, UCD, 
uh, that awareness of, of, of identifying um, uh, the other who may be struggling and, and, and may be under pressure and, and being able to uh, interact and engage and, uh, and forge a relationship with that individual to, to help journey with them and bring them um, bring them on and, and bring them out of whatever it is they're going through, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you touched on the fact that you could feel like an atmosphere and you can feel like in a collective and it's hard to tangibly like explain it. Mm. Um, one thing for sure that you can definitely notice, because um, back in the day when you were in fifth and sixth year, you would have had a chance to play cup for Belvedere, and yeah. like that, um, say the energy in the crowd at that stage, like yeah. it's it's almost not gonna say a different energy, but it's very like, um, how would you say, it's kind of like an in-house energy, if you know what I mean, like the chance and even like the yeah. the way that the supporters get involved in the game, like you can almost feel it come onto the pitch. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, you're dead right, Colonel. I'm- um, I, 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 I would have said publicly on, on numerous occasions what's, what's one of my favourite sporting memories and, and one of my favourite sporting memories was uh, the first round of the Junior Cup um, and we played against Prez Spray and the match was on in St Mary's Temple or Templeville Road I think is the name of the ground and we were in the, the dressing room beforehand underneath the stand and you could hear everyone coming in, the supporters, and you could, you could nearly hear their feet going above the dressing room. And like you mentioned, some of those chants uh, were starting to be rolled out, even though it was only a junior cup game uh, in comparison to uh, uh, how much attention senior cup gets. But having watched and gone to games in first and second year, having seen the effort and commitment that uh, the older guys had given, and I suppose the prestige that they were nearly held in within the university, or within the uh, the school, that's something which which really really excited me and and, and focused me and, and uh, something I wanted to feel and be part of. But uh, yeah, it's just it, it's 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 an unbelievable feeling to to be representing your school. And I played senior cup then as well, and we lost um, my last year. We lost the semi final to Black Rock in the Old Lansdowne Road, and only in God by John Michael Talbot is, is one of the songs that kind of was, was and still is sung at, at games for for Belvedere supporters um so it's from Sam it's a bit of Sam 62 and Sam 65 but it's a beautiful uh, song I I probably listen to that song at least uh, four or five times a week Connell, uh, if I'm on the bike or running um I still have it on my little playlist and um it, it, it's something which still makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck and and transports me back to the feeling of school and again i come away with a uh, a bit of a not a bit of but um a real connection with 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 god and a real sense of gratitude for for belvedere and and everything else that uh that it would have given me you know definitely now there's always a point of annoyance for us Clongas lads because Belvedere seemed to have trademarked that, that tune and we'd be the one, we'd sing it as well because more of a, a Jesuit chant rather than specifically yeah, Belvedere exactly. and you you had a chance to play in 04 and um, I'm right saying you had the chance to play with some renowned rugby players back then yeah so we, we Keen Healy was playing and um Keen was in fourth year at that stage and super guy Keen um we used to throw him in for center um Jeez, on occasion cool. just to just to bash through you know he was an animal uh i remember doing one of the early morning weight sessions in, in school in the hall um phil conway great phil conway was a PE teacher there as well he was kind of overseeing the session and um 
I was going for like a three rep max and like 70 kg or 75 kg, which is still heavy even now, you know. And yeah. and um, Keane just kind of rambles in and literally picks the bar uh, kind of part of his warm because we were part of the first group in and the next guys are coming in. And he comes in and chatting away. And I just remember him picking up the barbell with the 70, 75 kg on it. And he just did a few kind of uh, shoulder presses, you know. Not a bother on him, like, you know. And I was struggling to get the third one up, like, you know, on the, on the bench press. I said, this fella is an animal. And, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually funny you mentioned Keane. I'm just reading Sean O'Brien's um, autobiography at the moment, Fuel. And he, he references Keane. Um, uh, when the they were in the Leinster Academy together, and Sean wouldn't 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 have been ex- too exposed to to weights and uh, professionalism of, of of schools senior cup rugby with the private schools in particular. Uh, obviously playing club rugby in Tullow, but he just I think refers to Keane in his book as a, as a, have I heard beside me as a as a meathead who just loved lifting <laughs> weights and was a beast. But I think Keane has probably lost a lot of weight since now. He, he seems to be a bit more dynamic. Um, uh, he's not carrying as much on his frame, but Ian Keighley was another guy there, Connell, uh, that played out half in that team. Uh, super guy, Ian. Um, I think he could be gone up to Edinburgh, maybe. I think I've seen his name. He signed a one-year contract with, with um, one of the Scottish teams. He was in Italy for a few years, but again, good guys. I, I bumped into Keane, um, I bump into Keane probably once or twice a year in UCD or on the circuit doing a couple of things for the school or that and uh, I bumped into Ian once or twice over the last number of years so uh, good, good solid lads you know just decent blokes you know so yeah so uh, they managed to, so Keen Healy and Ian Keatley and, all, and the, the rest of the Belva boys yeah. they managed to win the cup in 05 it was a shame it happened the year after you left uh, the, it yeah. seemed like the celebrations after that were something amazing yeah no it, it, it was some buzz in, in fairness uh, carrying the, the cup up O'Connell Street and up to the school, um, everyone was on cloud nine, and and because I had played with you know a large cohort of of, of the O five lads in, in in 2004, there was a real connection uh, to the group uh, that you you still felt kind of part of, and and uh, you had contributed um, uh, the previous year in, in bringing those guys on and developing those fellas, and I'd say that the defeat of our semi final against Black Rock is, is something which. Those lads obviously used to their um, benefit in two thousand and five, and 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 once you know that the that glass ceiling was broken in two thousand and five, and the ceiling had existed for thirty five six years, I think. You know we've obviously competed in 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 a final most years uh, since then, and we, I think we've won maybe five or six um, uh, of the senior cups, which is obviously usually usually competitive as you're as you're well aware, you know. So mm-hmm, definitely. And uh, so, would there be many of those lads in the rugby team that you would have thought might have been good Gaelic footballers, or did you come across any good Gaelic footballers who ended up being rugby players or anything along those lines? Yeah, like there, there was zero GA in Belvedere when I was there. Um, I, I would have gone back teaching for a while after my undergrad, and uh, some of the fourth years who were just gah heads were, were on to me to set up a team, but I, I kind of had, um, uh, approached it, but but with some of the other staff. And they said, "Look, it's not going to be a runner." And um, but uh, I'm well aware now that they do have GA there. Um, uh, certainly, when senior cup is finished, uh, there seems to be a bit of a rugby school GA tournament that they that they play, Connell. And um, it um, it's it's good. It's good for the lads. Another opportunity for them to 
participate in sport. But now the other one, a good guy, Rob Fitzgerald. Um, Rob is the son of um, former Justice Minister. Um, I think she's an MEP now. I can't think of her name now, uh, her first name. But she's been uh, with Fine Gael for a long time. Rob's a super guy. He, he would have been playing Dublin Minors, um, Dublin 21s. Uh, I think he was captain of his minor team. He was a year behind me. And he was also captain of the senior cup team as well. So so um, Bob Carson would have been on that uh, team in 2005. He played hooker, I think, Rob. And um, he was a savage footballer then as well and a hurler for Pats of Parmistown. But uh, he, uh, yeah, hard to play both. And, 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 and kind of my year was, was probably there seemed to be a real push from the school in terms of preparation and, 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 and gym and recovery. You know, it was becoming more professional in its, in its approach. Um, and um, when it goes that way, it, it's very difficult as a 17, 18, 19 year old to be able to, um, to be able to manage high level elite sports across different codes because the body will give up like, you know, so. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And you seem to manage it for a while anyway, playing with the double minors and then 21s and then into the seniors. Yeah. How did you find that? How did you find that transition or how did you find that like process from moving to like your 17 up into the senior ranks? Yeah. So I, I, I remember the, the in sixth year playing senior cup rugby. Um, we, we lost, let me see. We lost in September of sixth year. Um, I was in the All Ireland 2003 minor final. Uh, we drew with Leash. Um, we had bet Leash in the Leinster final well that year. They got through the back door. And the replay was fixed for, I think, either the first week of October, last week of September, down in Dr. Cullen Park in Carlow. And we lost. So, up until that point, I, I hadn't gone near the rugby team. I, I would have gone to the meetings in school in September, but I didn't. I would have thrown a few balls around in the, in the gym at break time or whatever. Uh, I wasn't doing any uh, rugby because of the because of the gab, but um, so when the GA finished, pretty much the next week, I, I went straight into senior cup rugby tunnel, and we I was playing senior club at that time as well, and we got to a club county final that year too. Um, so I had a few things kind of gone, but I I decided to focus in on the cup rugby for three or four years, which uh, meant a lot of gym work. I put on a good few kilos in, 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 in muscle mass and a, a bit of fat, no doubt, as well, with the chicken fillet rolls. But um, back then, you didn't know too much better. And um, so when the senior cup went, I was called into the Dublin 21 team uh, a couple of weeks after we lost in March, early March, late February uh, for the under-21 championship. And while I looked great, I, I, I had a few nice abs, nice muscles. Uh, we played a challenge game against Armagh with the Dublin 21s coming and I couldn't mm -hmm. run. I literally could not run. I was stuffed. Uh, aerobically, my fitness was gone because the the playing in the back row with the rugby, it's a lot of huff and puff. Obviously, it is quite aerobic too, but, but I, I had lost um, a lot of that aerobic fitness and I couldn't believe it. Like you know, So it took yeah. me a good three or four months to, 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 to get the weight down again and get the miles into the legs. Uh, for uh, the requirements of Gaelic football, but but then I got going again, and I was a year with twenty ones called into the seniors, and I was I, I you know I started playing for Dublin when I was thirteen, Connell, and I played up until I was thirty, so I, I uh, five years ago, and uh, it um, you never knew any different, like, you know. But that was the only time that the I kind of I was able to manage it during school, 
um, even though it was tough at times. But um, when I got out of school, uh, that going from senior cup rugby into into under twenty one into county football was was took a, took an awful long time for me to to get back up to the pace of the game, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, at what stage would you say that you felt kind of was say comfortable at senior level, or you felt that you were perhaps deserving of a starting place, or you know what I mean? You're a strong, important part of the setup. Yeah, so that's a good question. I I, I I felt I was worth a shot when I was about probably twenty, Connell, in the mm-hmm. senior team for championship. I would have played a good bit of league at that stage, um, but I wasn't getting in for championship. Um, I, I would have had good chats with the manager, Pillar Caffrey. Um, I felt that the same back six were starting. I was a defender for the GA. Uh, the same back six were starting, who had kind of lost the previous few years. And uh, I, I, I felt in my, um, uh, with, with my youthful confidence uh, that I, I, I was worth a shot. I didn't get the shot until a year later. And um, I, 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 I um, I never felt comfortable ever in my position, to be honest. There was so much competition uh, with the Dublin squad, Connell, and, and that's part of how the lads have become so successful, uh, even since I left that. There was always someone else, you know, uh, by to, yeah. to get in. And, and, and the level of intensity that was exerted and, and experienced in, in county training sessions was, was, was nearly harder than the games themselves, I'll be honest. And, and, uh, but but uh, you never ever rested on your laurels once you got in. Um, I, I can't say there was ever a game I felt comfortable like that. I'm, I'm a nail down starter, even though I I, I had established myself for a good six years um, as centre back, and then injury started to kind of kick in, um, and, and I struggled for a couple of years after that, and then maybe parted ways, you know. But um, yeah, you can't you can't really relax, you know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, what would you say? Because you're now you're now on the other side of it, so you're the head coach. Yeah. If you had like a young twenty year old who feels like they should be in the starting six, or they might be saying to you like specifically like that, but they feel like they're ready for you know more of responsibility. What would you say to them in terms of like actually contributing well to the team, or what sort of ad- what sort of attitude should they have? Yeah, so I I I I think it, it's it's quite a, a nuanced. Um, Approach, Colonel, the, depending on the individual. Um, there, um, again, even with UCD, five years there, uh, too, and 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 you're always trying to uh, conscious. Well, I'm very conscious that these are young, young, young guys, and even with the county, you have a few older fellas as well, with Carlo, and um, you're 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 trying to be as objective in your selection process as possible. You're trying to, at the outset, give clarity as to what you're looking for um for the position and where and then you design your training around that uh to to to, to bring about those uh, team objectives um and then you would do individual and smaller group work uh, to work on some of the uh, um, specific skills for different parts of the field and once you have communicated well Connell, with with uh, a player as to what's uh, required that player now has something to compare themselves off. Um, so then when that conversation does come about, and, and it hasn't come about that directly, I've only had one real conversation with a guy um, about it, and um, he, he was very close, and it was very little between him and another player, and the decision was a tough decision to make because this guy was a senior player, um, 
lot, a lot of experience. Would have started every year for a long time, and the the decision uh, was made um, on a good feeling, um, as opposed to anything that uh, this particular player had, had hadn't done, had or hadn't done, and uh, and to share that information with the player uh, that was that was tough because you respected his commitment, and it was difficult for him to understand. And all we had to say was to the player in that situation totally understand your disappointment you can be pissed off with with the management for you know quietly for a day or two uh but when we're going back into the dressing room and we're having our team meeting you know you need to just park that aside and you need to bring about a uh, positive energy do your best uh in order to drive the team forward and then when when you do get your chance and this guy was always going to play like at some part of it which he did and he ended up starting the next game funny enough um, the way it went, um, um, which shows the character of that individual. No doubt, mm-hmm. you will get guys. That, there's been a couple of guys, probably with scholarship, coming with, with UCD, who I would have had to have uh, tough conversations with. But again, objectively, they weren't. Um, they weren't uh, doing what they they said they were going to do. And um, and once they kind of know where they stand, even though it may have lost, it would have meant the loss of a small bit of uh, monetary support, but. With the budget that uh, I I would have in, in in UCD, I need to be able to give it to the other guy who has. Well, this particular player has now pushed you, um, out of the squad, and 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 he's now demanding, and uh, we have what we have to share around, and we and we share it like the loaves and the fishes tunnel in in UCD mm-hmm. where a budget UCD, while a massive university, um, those on the outside looking in, might think God there's loads of money in that place, um, because it's quite a holistic approach to sport so many sports in UCD that um, the money is divvied out fairly fairly uh, um, uh, evenly and, uh, and that's a challenge for, for, the, for the bigger clubs but, uh, and for myself uh, being head of the club but uh, that's another story you know yeah definitely and uh, you touched on there that you had to make a decision based on a good feeling yeah. but um, apart, apart from those kind of decisions what sort of attributes would you look for, we'll say, in a centre-back? Because, as you said, you kind of established, well, you never call yourself established, but you played there for Dublin for about six seasons before injuries yeah. took you out. So what would be, like, the characteristics you'd look for in a centre-back then? Yeah, so uh, um, a centre-back, Connell, is somebody who has an ability to read the game. Um, this is like me talking about myself now, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, I, I would have played high-level soccer. I played Premier Soccer up to under-18 as well, Connell. Okay. And uh, played with Belvedere uh, schoolboys and a, a team in Fingers called Wefta. Uh, we won three Premier Leagues, DDSL, and we got the two All Ireland Club Finals under 13 15. So I would have played a bit of midfield, centre back, and left back. So um, I, 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 I find that a lot of th- this decent centre backs, national centre backs, have played soccer yeah. and other sports. Uh, guys who have only played just one sport. Um, it's quite you. You notice their limitations fairly quickly in terms of reading the game and the uh, game management, decision making, um, and that has to be coached that bit harder. Um, but a good centre back is a reader of the game. He's a communicator. Um, he's someone who gets on with it. Um, doesn't take too much crap. Puts his body on the line, which results in a lot of my injuries. Colonel, um, in terms of taking the big hits and, and, and dishing out the few big hits as well, and you're kind of an enforcer. You're you're 
you're a bully um, uh, within the, the norms of, of what's acceptable in the game. Obviously, on occasion, I would have overstepped the mark, but um, at inter-county level, it's dog-eat-dog, and, and, and yeah. while, while you shake hands with guys off the field, Connell, and uh, you respect them, um, once you're out on the pitch, it's, you know, it made the best man win, and, and uh, that's something I would have um, taken with me from Belvedere as well, from a, a, a ropey point of view. And, um, but yeah, that's that's what I would look for in a in a in a in a centre back, and they're decent ball players as well. Um, that says 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 myself, you know. But um, <laughs> of course, he said that anyway as a centre back. I say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, you touched on that, like Inter County is a dog eat dog place. Yeah. Um, I presume no more so than the Dublin Carries sort of rivalry, especially yeah. the fact that perhaps when you were starting off in 06 or 07, like Kerry were kind of the dominant team at the time, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm like. You clearly had them as, like, we'll say, on a pedestal, and you wanted to take them down. Yeah. So, how would you have approached? How what would your attitude have been to carry, we'll say, in the earlier years, as opposed to as you were getting to the end? Yeah. So, on 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 one level, you 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 looked at what they were doing. Um, I suppose you you emotion aside, analytically, Connell, and and um, I was a bit older when Pat Gilroy came in. So so uh, as manager and. and he would have kind of started this process a bit. We would have looked at Kerry. We would have looked at Throne. And Cork would have won an All-Ireland in 2010. They better than the semis. And what was it they were doing that made them successful? And where could we bring up aspects of our game without foregoing um, our own kind of natural style? But, but where can we bridge the gap, so to speak, um, from a tactical uh, skill set uh, point of view? And to be quite analytical in how you um, study that, um, because it's it's quite humbling, um, and it is something that's required um, for great sports people. I think, Connell, and even probably in business too, um, you need to look at what's 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 your successful competitors doing, and and you know what's working for them, and and um, and uh, imitation is, is is flattery in some ways you know yeah. so that's one thing we did um the second thing we did and this again was just me and a couple of us you developed a, a healthy hatred and um i know that's uh if i use the term juxtaposition uh between my 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 my, my off-field life and faith and, and and what i used to do in the pitch tunnel but you had to have a healthy hatred um to to, to hurt but not severely hurt um, your your opponents psychologically, uh, physically, and to do that over and over again to grind them down, um, because they were doing the exact same thing to you the whole time, um, and, and 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 that's something that we try to build as well, Connell, because we to build a healthy hatred of the opposition, um, yeah. but but also being quite analytical and tactical and what it was we were trying to achieve. Which players we were trying to double up on if they got possession, what players made their team tick, who picked up the most possessions, um, and all those different facets of the game, and then the healthy hatred is the motivation of the emotional side that brings that extra bit of tr- adrenaline to the system yeah. <laughs> and drives you forward. And and uh, it's it's kind of m- marrying those two things together, the the the, the psychological motivational uh, tool along with the analytical, uh, tactical uh, side of things, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because it nearly des- it's nearly describing that you had, like we'll say, an alter ego on the pitch or that it wasn't exactly your personality. For, like, in those 70 minutes, it wasn't the same as it would be outside. Like, that's what a lot of professional athletes, like, 
the ones that talk about them more be more the American athletes. Like uh, Ray Lewis is a great example, but how he he literally considered himself to be Wolverine when he's on the pitch. If you know what I mean, that was his mental attitude. Yeah, and it seems like there's um, a lot of successful athletes like manage to like essentially have a different personality when they're competing because this is needed. Yeah, yeah, and I and and it is Colonel and and um, um, you know people who, who who haven't played at that high level. Um, you know, they, they I, I would have mentioned what I shared there, um, as I said it before, and you know, you get negative comments saying, you know, that's 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 terrible to be hating someone else and blah blah blah, and uh, but they don't understand it, like you know, it, it's um, you know, there's a lot of you know, if, 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 if opposition were, were forwards in particular were, were calling me at this and at that, well, I was happy because I was yeah. doing my job, you know. Once mm-hmm. I was staying on the field, um, because I was annoying them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's what's required. And uh, you know, that now that I'm retired and I bumped into a few of these players doing a couple of media things and whatnot over the over the last number of years, like they're the same as me, like you know, and the same as you. They're just normal blokes getting on with life and uh, yeah. ultra competitors at the time, ultra talented, and uh, again with a healthy hatred for the opposition, um, which is uh, which is uh, it's definitely needed, and and and. and you know some of those American athletes and reading some of the coaching coaching manuals from there. Um, I I I I am always uh, interested to 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 pick up uh, bits of information in terms of what makes those guys tick. Now there's other guys I I I played with and and they be highly motivated by the stats uh, as forwards, um, not to be scoring uh, per se, but. Um, if they are taking four shots, they want to get four scores, you know, and and, and yeah. looking at improving uh, those areas of their game, and that's a huge motivation. Tackle count was a big motivation for me. How many hits you were getting in the game, um, because that fed into the overall performance, the more than the forwards. So, uh, so different things motivate different people. As I got a bit older, Conan, I, I became. No, I still had a healthy hatred there, and as the healthy hatred began to dwindle, certainly with the club and the fire was, was was kind of becoming a bit quenched from a playing point of view because i i'd won all there was to win uh, to win thank god um then that's when it's time to walk away you know so, so yeah that's when the i hunger wasn't there and um yeah. so you had like a few like what players as uh, like you said you had like that hatred for the opposition maybe not specifically towards an individual player but like what yeah. player did you be marking were you like right I need to be at the top of my game. I can't be, you know, resting my lars or anything. Was there a few challenges that you like wanted to rise to, or who would they have been? Yeah, so so uh, um, I'll tell you so, some of the skinnings I got, and, and and I didn't get too many skinnings, mind you, but <laughs> I got skinned by 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 Gooch uh, Cooper from Kerry in in our semi final. <laughs> he was flying it now. As I said, there was a couple of other structural things defensively that, that didn't uh, didn't uh, happen in that first half. Anyway, now we went on to win the game, but. But he, he, he's a super, super guy and a nice guy off the field as well. And he was the type of guy, no matter how much you roughed him up, you know, he just didn't get, he just got yeah. hours. Because once he got the ball in his hands, kind of like all you could hope for was that he would pass the ball backwards. Other than that, it was going to be a score from him or he was going to create a score. Um, and super, super player. Uh, Stephen O'Neill from Tyrone was another guy. I was put in full back in the league game 2013 or that, 14. Um, uh, a 13 rather, and I was right up his backside, and he had a half a yard on me, Connell, and he scored four scores um, each time. And I just said to myself, you know, there's actually nothing I can do here. 
Just yeah. I can meet with her. And he and he's a type of guy that uh, a nice guy, you could rough him up, but you know, he's just doesn't bother him, like, you know. Uh, <laughs> so um so they're they're the two kind of skinnings of I would have got that I recall from my end of county career. <laughs> but um you 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 hated to lose against Mayo. So there's a dub in Mayo rivalry there and I don't know where it comes from for myself and in 2006, Dublin lost to Mayo in the semi-final. Mayo went out and decided to warm up at the hill end, which is always where Dublin is warmed up. And yeah. um, and, and that's probably part of it. But, um, yeah, there's always been a very he- healthy hatred there for Mayo uh, playing against it. But at the same time with my club, St. Vincent's in Dublin, we've had four or five Mayo guys come and represent uh, the club living in the area. And I got on great with them, like you know, and gone. I've gone to yeah. Mayo weddings. I've gone to two Mayo weddings actually with guys who would have played at Mayo. Um, other guys and and some of the current Mayo guys that were there uh, were were at the wedding and you're chatting to the lads off the pitch. And again, normal blokes really uh, behind the scenes, but uh, but you just need something as a as a competitor. Sometimes it helps rightly or wrongly to to find a reason to 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 hate or dislike the opposition. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It, now, this is looking from the outside in, but it seemed like you always had that passion or that, you could even call it hatred, on the pitch from a young, like from 20 onwards. What yeah. what what aspects of your game did you develop to get yourself to, like, we'll say, an all-star level centre-back or to even be an all-star level teammate for your, for the Dublin players? The, the um, I, I don't know, Colin, is the answer. I, 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 I just love Gaelic football. I love training. I love hard sessions. Um you'd be kind of cacking yourself going in the gate pre-season because you knew this is going to be yeah, getting yeah. sick stuff and uh but just the camaraderie that comes out of of uh, and the spirit that, that forms and the bonds that build um or the spirits that build rather than the, and the bonds that form uh through 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 tough training through slogging this out with 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 one another it's just an amazing position and place to be in to be in that bubble and 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 you don't want to leave it, you know. Um, it's it, it's it's uh, it's just kind of uplifting. It's it's makes you nervous. It can make you overthink things. But um, uh, being able to manage those thoughts and constructively use those thoughts into uh, improving different aspects of your game is, uh, is something that I always did. So I never, <laughs> for me, Colonel, I I. I um, different guys even today some guys would love watching a lot of video and dvds of opposition games uh their opponents are going to be marking uh for me I, five minutes was all i needed because i would have watched the game live anyway um or i might have gone to the game to get an understanding of what an opposition was doing um so i i was just i just loved being out in the field kicking ball and, and uh fucking uh training hard and, and just trying to get the best out of each other um, and certainly in this Dublin environment, it was just so so competitive, uh, Connell, that um, you you you, um, you had to be on your A game every time you went training. Now, I suppose that as I'm waffling on there, something does pop into my head, which kind of more um, directly answers your question. But in St. Vincent's, we we lost the 2006 club final in Dublin, and we went on to win in 2007. So it was the first time Vincent's had won it in the good to 30 years. And St. Vincent's in the 70s and 80s and 50s, 60s had countless Dublin uh, um, representative honours with all Ireland's. And all their pictures are up in the clubhouse in St. Vincent's. Uh, Brian Mullins, Jimmy Keevney, Tony Hanho, 
Uh, so many other greats, um, Bobby uh, Doyle, another one. And a part of me was um, I'm, I actually got tired of listening and having to receive talks from some of these older fellas about they would come yeah. in, give their time of, of what it means to play for St. Vincent and to be up in that wall. And I just got pissed off. I remember uh, one year saying, I'm fed up hearing about all these fellas up on the wall. It's time we got up on the wall. And, and um, we bet St. Bridges in 2007 by two points. Um, I think they were defending champions maybe in order the previous year. Um, and we went on to win the Leinster Championship and we went on to win the, the Club All-Ireland. And it was the second Club All-Ireland the club had won. They won it once in 76, I think. Um, so that was great. And from that, once again, a bit like Dublin, once we broke the glass ceiling in 2007 with the club, we went on to compete in seven or eight county finals, winning five winning two club all Ireland's and four Leinsters. Um and and, and and that victory from Vincent's I, I would have taken that into the Dublin setup in two thousand uh when I was in there. But certainly with two thousand eleven where Pat Gilroy who was full forward and the club team and we won in two thousand eight was now the manager mm-hmm. of Dublin. And Mickey Whelan who was manager of Vincent's when we won the club in two thousand eight was now the coach and selector with Dublin. Um they obviously brought their um uh, modus operandi with them uh, and motivational te- techniques with them and um, we were fed up of being a, a nearly team that gets hidings, um at the latter stages of the championships and loses out and it was 95 when Dublin last won the All-Ireland and you know we thankfully broke through the, that glass ceiling I've mentioned before in uh, 2011 and you know we, we've Dublin have been in she's what they've won eight All-Irelands now over the last nine, so it's it's outrageous, like you know. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, you touched on before that you, when you retired, you'd kind of they'd won all the rest to win, and their <laughs> hunger was going a bit. At the same time, there were some injuries you had in 2013. They were kind of um like they were just kind of debilitating a bit. Yeah. Um, how how annoying, How much of the decision to retire was like your own, or was it more the body giving up, or what would you say? It, it was the body giving up, uh, fully. Um, so the last league game in 2013. Ali Buffet, um, the regular league game, we won the league final that year as well. But the last regular league game, Connell in the warm up, in Bally Buffet, I, I, I got an awful shooting pain in my lower left ab. Um, I haven't seen them in a while, but they're down there. And um, the uh, I didn't know what it was, and I went over to the physio, and he was poking around my hip flexor now. And then he poked in my stomach and was like, oh, I'll get away. So anyway, I, I played the first half and I began to really struggle uh, with pain. I played about five, ten minutes second half and uh, I came out and went to get a scan on it. I torn um, a lower uh, ab muscle, a rectus muscle. And that was the start of my uh, injury uh, woes. Um, I, I got a lot of injections over the summer that year. And, um, and again, this is something that people watching in their county or at least sports you know unless a guy is maybe 22 or 23 years of age the chances are anyone over that uh, age group of 23 24 are probably struggling with some sort of injury from overuse mm-hmm. and uh given how uh, attritional rugby and, 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 and uh, soccer and ga is and the, the mileage that you're covering and the impacts so that's something to keep in mind so so colonel yeah we we uh, won the club. Well, you won the All Ireland uh, against Mayo, 2013. Um, I was scheduled to get um, an operation uh, on my on my on my groin and ab 
uh, soon after. However, I was captain of my club, St. Vincent's. We went on to win the club championship. Um, I was playing with injury. I was playing with a bad injury, um, but the pace was slower, so I could get away with it. And we went in to win the Leinster final, and again was captain. And the pace was that bit slower than the county, so I got away with it. And I went drinking that night after the Leinster final. I think in the eighth or ninth of December, and um, two days later I was in getting surgery, and uh, I got back for the club final. In March, St. Paddy's Day, we bet Castlebar and Mitchells, and it was great as captain. So I got to play all of that match. I didn't get to play the semi final, which I was really annoyed about. Um, and then when I went to, go, went to go back, sorry, in my rehab, getting back for that final, the club final, tunnel, not to bore you, I did something to my Achilles heel. And I went back with Dublin two weeks after St. Patrick's Day and uh, went training, and my, my right Achilles blew up. Didn't It didn't uh, sever. But it blew up, and I was two years trying to get that right. Two surgeries, a trip to Sweden and London, and eventually got it right. But um, it, um, it 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 was too late, you know. So at the end of twenty fifteen, I spent twenty fourteen and fifteen, and I probably completed maybe two or three full training sessions during that two years, and and then I said, you know, what? time to go, and uh, I was getting. Um, uh, acid reflux from anti-inflammatories and I had to get a scope put down my throat and to check out what was going on and um, uh, and actually once that happened and I did that while I was awake because I trained that night uh, so there's no pain involved and it's just ridiculously uncomfortable but if I had gone under um, anaesthetic I wouldn't have been able to train so I wanted to train so I got the scope done with a clamp on my mouth it was rotten and uh yeah, he's like you're 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 kind of eating away at your stomach lining and everything else because of, you're trying to get the body right and ease the pain of and and then it was after that particular occasion that I uh, I remember speaking to the, the parents a bit and saying that I think I have to go you know step away yeah. so so that was that you know mm-hmm. and um so at that kind of period in your life as well there's a lot of demands we'll say with your job mm. uh, and you see these Dublin footballers now like Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion for example just because they're they're kind of we'll say in their prime and it's a shame that they seem to, it's much harder to balance to say like working life as the GA uh, yeah. do you see like a, not a solution but do you see any like steps that could be done to help like players still in their prime and aren't being retired due to injury to be able to continue yeah and, and look again it's a very very um complex uh, question with a, with a very complex answer Colin. and <laughs> all I can do from my, my uh, offer from my experience of um, having gone through colleges football uh, playing for six teams up until I was 21 or 2 more than yourself in UCD and you're playing at the club at home and you're in your 20s and the seniors and you're on a county 20s panel and you're trying to get to a senior squad and fresher and six um, so I one thing that's happen, happening um, nationally is, is this: there's a vote at the end of the month at GA Congress to, one, to solidify um, the third level competitions um, into the calendar, so the 7th and 8th Sunday of, of uh, February. I say 7th and 8th sun, Sunday of the new year to get the Sigurds if it's given played. Um, the removal of the pre-season inter-county tournaments is gone, the O'Porn Cups and that which is great, and I think the split season is going to be a huge addition for, um, for Definitely, players, yeah. you know, that's really going to take, so I'm, I'm very excited to see how that's going to work out, 
Um, so that's on a, I suppose, a macro level on a, on, a, on a micro level, looking at individual players and their situation. You know, it, it's it's the profile, age profile of a of a inter county team is certainly dropping um, uh, by a year or two. Maybe every five years is probably dropping by a year or two. You know, when I was, I I, I packed it in when I was thirty because of injury, but I I, I would have loved to have gone for another three or four years. Um, but but that's not the norm anymore even. So a guy playing college football or a lady playing college football, Camogie Connell, um, I think there's huge support there um, with the, the GPA and, and the women's GPA and, and, and that both uh, organisations have amalgamated, I think is a is a huge success. And um, having been, a, a, been around at the foundations of the GPA and having gone through a lot of their programmes from... Um, career guidance to, to educational advice to bursaries um, um, the work that they do is usually beneficial and there's a large amount of the funding now that players generate for the GEA is now returned to from the GA to the GPA to provide those services so I think that's um, uh, something that players themselves need to tap into um, is one's career if you're not doing medicine or maybe go on the accountancy route or something like that, is your career going to be negatively impacted upon in the short term? Generally speaking, yes. Not always, but generally speaking, yes. Um, because of inter-county football. Um, but the opportunities then that come through playing inter-county football, the doors are open easier for you into different institutions or different positions or, um, or different businesses. And once the door is opened, it's up to you then to be able to prove your worth and add value to whatever that organization is um i think in the case of jack and, and, and paul knowing the lads as i do without um second guessing them um they're they're they're, they're free spirits um they, they've won it all um individual accolades and team accolades and when you've won it all Connell, it's easier to step away definitely mm-hmm. easier to step away when you haven't you go that bit longer and Probably Andy Morn from from AO was a great example of that. Who, who uh, got close a couple of times, but never quite over uh, over the line. And uh, and you just the hunger is there to go back, go back, go back. So uh, in his case, age caught up with him. And in the case of Paul and and, and Jack, I can only assume that they were happy with with, with what they had done. And then the, um, they were going forward to enjoy their careers, like you know. So, um, but mm-hmm. it is a big commitment, Colin. You're you're. You're looking at uh, anywhere from pre-season, 25 hours a week between training, recovery, physio, um, and then you're into traveling them for games. You're you're up to 35 hours a week, like you know, and it, it's um, it's a lot to give, you know, um, but it's hugely enjoyable. You know? Definitely, and not yeah. out for it, you know. Uh, no, for sure, it takes a certain type of individual for sure. And um, so you, you kind of touched on the fact that when you've won it all, it's kind of hard to keep going. Mm. What do you think separates this Dublin team from, we'll say, previous teams who've been successful, like, I don't know, like back in the day, yeah. uh, that are able to keep going for five and six and possibly pushing for seven? What yeah. is it like the turnover? Because the turnover players, there's, they generally bring in one or two a year, but the cohort of the team has been the same for maybe from 2013 onwards. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, um, you know, we, we Dublin won in 95. And before 95, it was 83. So mm-hmm. the 95 team weren't able to repeat it. In 2011, we won. We lost to Mayo in the semi-final in 2012. 
because we were hung over nearly most of the year. I was anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't as, as committed uh, as I've been. Um, when Jim Gavin came in in 2013 um, as a an older kind of established player, at that stage I was nervous and excited because it was a new challenge to kind of prove yourself to a new man. And um, that brought about a renewed sense of focus. And I think Jim's, Jim's ability, ability to identify and to forward plan even a year, two or three years in advance where uh, there might be holes in the team because of uh, a guy aging or whatever. Um, his ability to, to, to do that is uh, something which, which um, uh, brings around renewed energy while maintaining the standard of play and player. Um, I think Jim's knowledge of, of, of the underage setup and the, having won a couple of All-Irelands as 21 manager, he certainly won one anyway. Um, he knew those lads quite intimately. And he, he had a great sense of what was coming behind him. But delving even deeper, Connell, the, 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 the work of the county board and the county board officers in, 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 in developing the Dublin strategic plan called the Blue Wave, going back to, I think, 2010, uh, where they kind of put down on paper what it was they were trying to achieve and um, uh, getting really solid guys and ladies involved in coaching development squads and uh, really good club coaches working with the local schools all of that fell into it in terms of the quality of coaching, the quality of education that was being uh, uh, imparted upon players, drove the standard um, mm -hmm. of player that was coming through the system. And then numbers were the capital city and, and the numbers are huge uh, there. Uh, so the pick is obviously a massive thing, which which is a, um, um, a key advantage uh, for this Dublin team. But that advantage has always been there, Connell. Um, Definitely. Uh, but how 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 it was harnessed along the lines of what I shared with you there, the structures put in place in that, and then at the very top having a very strong executive county board, and a strong coach and manager uh, with the county team. The Desi Farrell coming in is just added to it. Desi has a, a similar tra trajectory and and um, coaching uh, management um, portfolio or experience that uh, Jim has had, you know. So um, with success with the minors and twenty one, so. Um, we're, no, we're in a good place, uh, Connolly, you know, so. Yeah, definitely. Now, population helps because I yeah. saw a stat there recently that oh, the, the last time a county that's less than 100,000 people won that Ireland was 1982 with Offaly. Uh, so right. definitely it's a uh, population seems to help for sure, that, even just even since like the 80s. But um, yeah. going back to uh, Jim Gavin, you mentioned that he had a certain approach he was able to think like years in advance. Do you reckon that came yep. from like kind of his uh, like military background and that in Brogan's autobiography, he mentions how, like, after 2012, or sorry, after 2014, uh, Jim kind of looked back at himself and really took on board, like, the lessons from the book Extreme Ownership, which is written by an ex-Navy SEAL. So I'm kind of curious, did he bring, like, a military-style um, system into the Dublin, into the Dublin, like, system itself? Yeah, he, he, he uh, Jim is a, a different um, uh, way of... Um, of being, say, in comparison to um, Pillar Caffrey and, and Pat Gilroy before him, and 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 it's important to any person listening. Uh, you know, one has to be themselves to be authentic to to lead. You have to be authentic, you know. Um, and and Jim was very authentic, and 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 he was quite structured, and, and he was he was even more analytical than the, than the previous management. Uh, the challenges with the previous management was 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 usually psychological, 
uh, Connell in, 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 in helping us become more resilient and more humble in particular. And um, for me, when Jim came in, um, uh, he's an absolutely humble uh, uh, being and um, you know, there's no issues in, 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 in him continuing and adding to the work of the previous management. Um, but where I would have noticed the difference was, was certainly the, the, the level of detail and planning um, that was put in um, was very much a mirror of, of uh, how Jim taught and, and I guess his experience of uh, army life and organisational structures and uh, his role with the Aviation Authority in, 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 uh, in aircraft's uh, safety. And, and 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 that was very evident from the outset um, in terms of what he wanted to get out of every training session and and uh, how we saw the team playing, you know. And 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 bearing his rights, you know, I remember that we had a very deep chat uh, a few days after the semi-final defeat in 2014 to to Donegal. We met in the Gibson Hotel. And we were in the room for a good hour or two, and uh, all the players and Jim was there. And, we just had a kind of an honest conversation about where 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 it went wrong, and it hasn't gone wrong since, you know. So <laughs> seems yeah. that definitely. Oh. And uh, you, you touched on as a manager, you got to kind of be true to yourself. Mm. Um, Something like so, when you're going to be coaching with the goal with, with uh, Carlo as the head coach, or even with UCD yourself, mm. what attributes would you say are, let's we'll say, your own, or what attributes have you taken from like Pillar or or Jim Gavin yeah. or Pat Roy? Yeah, well, well, I, the one thing I take from Pillar Caffrey is. His love of Dublin and his love of the players, um, and and um, he, he he would do anything for any uh, of the players um, with Pillar. Um, uh, that's something I I I, I take with me in, in terms of, and it ties in with the whole idea of kind of curious personalis and care the person from nation spirituality too. That you know, there's a human being there first. He's a guy. You know, who's living at home, whose parents might be struggling and who knows what's going on and you've all sorts of different individuals and, and, and uh, so being a person, you know, uh, uh, well, seeing their uh, humanity is uh, is important um, and then kind of the next step for that then and something I would take from Pat is the, and Mickey Whelan is, is, is the necessity to, to become psychologically hardened and toughened. Yeah. Um, so while recognizing what may be going on in someone's life, um, you also have to recognize if you want to achieve at this level, you need to put that aside or use it to your advantage, but put it aside and, and focus at the task at hand and, and be tough on yourself and, and push yourself through the training and the pre-season and be honest in your reflection of your games and be honest with your teammates. And, and, and that's something that things about team spirit and, and it's something which Pat did an awful lot of work on too and Jim did as well and um, that honestly that's there and then certainly from, from, from Jim's point of view objectivity is, is, is something which um, not that I would have been disinterested in but as I would have shared uh, earlier on I, 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 I personally didn't have to spend a whole lot of time looking at tape mm-hmm. um, I, I, I I was a quick reader of the game. Um, I, I, I tended to get things um, uh, before others, which helps with the position you're playing because you can see a play evolving and even yeah. from an offensive point of view. So you can identify holes in, 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 defensive, in, in the opposition defence. So I didn't spend too much time on that, but uh, Jim would have spent an awful lot of time on it. Um, and I have to be now, as, as a coach, 
you're looking at what do players need and what do they want and the different type of individual you have in front of you. So being able to cater to all those needs and you give maybe three levels of information. That's just the bare minimum. Everyone needs to know this about the opposition. This is the bare minimum. If you're looking for additional stuff, here's some of the individual clips and the player and a couple of memos and the guy uh, with a few laptops set up here. We'll send the clips around, have a look at them, give me a ring, we'll talk about it. Um, and then there's some guys who on the training pitch then, you know, one-on-one, they want to just walk through exactly how the, the, the forward might move um, and becomes very, very, um, 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 what would you call it, somewhat anal in some ways. Um, now, that doesn't suit me as a player, but as a coach, if a guy suits, suits him, that's what I do because then, therefore, in his head, he's talking out on the game on a Saturday, Sunday, and he's happy that he's done everything that he could do, you know? Yeah. Now, you, you touched on it before that, Jim, like, as in with their forwards for Dublin, like, didn't, didn't, didn't know what their first option is and then their second option. It's almost like a quarterback going through progressions. They kind of know where to look. So I was kind of curious where you'd, like, land on that spectrum of, like, pure creativity versus, like, pure dogmatic, like, regimented approach. Yeah. Would you be more, like, in between or where would you stand? I'm, I, I'm, I'm very much for expressing players, expressing themselves within the... Um, what would you call it within the the the, the, the framework set, of the game yeah. plan or, or what, what were you going to say Conan, what was that? like a kind of like a set structure you have for the framework yeah so. yeah see, exactly like, like, like so for argument's sake Conan, if, if our fullback catches the ball and he thinks there's an attack on i i don't have any major issue with him going for it right, to a point yeah. but within the framework of him attacking the other guys that involved then are tucking in and, and mm-hmm. that you have your every you, you have an extra guy or two or whatever way you're set up defensively, um, yeah. or um, it could be a full court press if you're losing the game, different parts of the game. But um, but generally speaking, Connell, I, I I would be big on on, on, on pace of movement, uh, uh, moving the ball at pace forward, uh, moving yourself at pace forward, and that's option A always. And um, where you're faced with a, a packed defence or an injury and the game is slowed up or a sideline ball, that's where your option B comes in and you're trying to set up a couple of strike runners maybe on the far side of the field. and um, it, 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 uh, it, 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 It's keeping possession then. Is it, you know, it's, it's important too. Like for argument's sake, you know, playing with a bit of freedom doesn't mean shooting from the sideline mm-hmm. um, you know, or trying a 60-yard crossfield ball which is a you know a 40 60 chance in your favor yeah you know yeah. you know that's just stupid like you know so that's where mm-hmm. you want to know that's that's not expressing yourself that's that's just not well, i don't say stupid, yeah. yeah you come up with better words than that so you have to look to uh it to be economical maybe is the word but your possession you know mm-hmm. and, uh, it, uh, that's something that we would probably use a bit more you know uh-huh you touched on it there briefly you said about a full court press mm. how many how much like has basketball or the styles in basketball influence what you do as a coach because you said option a is to kind of um like essentially break with pace which would be like a fast yeah. break whereas option b is when you have like the packed defense which is more like a half court set in basketball how much like again to kind of repeat myself but how much has basketball tactics influence but say your ga tactics it, it, it's uh... I'm not. I'm not a massive watcher of basketball, right? But 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 I've um, uh, I've listened to a lot of the basketball coaches and, and, and read um, 
um, Clive, oh, not Clive, but Clive, uh, Clive Woodworth's Woodwork, the, uh, Woodward's book, The English Coach, and um, mm-hmm. John Wooden, I've read his book, The Basketball yeah. Coach, UCLA. Um, uh, I've watched some of the documentaries on basketball and coaching. Um, I, I, I found myself getting more into American football during the lockdown with uh, a bit of live sports, and I really got into yeah. that now, I'd say, enjoying that. There's a, a guy, Bill Walsh, uh, I think he managed the 49ers in the maybe 80s. I've, I've read his book. He was decades ahead of his time, you know. Um, but um, I, at the very kind of outset, Colin, I spoke about guys who who have played a different sport, a, a variety of sports, are far better Gaelic footballers. Particularly guys playing basketball or rugby or soccer. Michael Darren McCauley played uh, basketball as well. Uh, Jason Sherlock would have played a good bit of basketball too. Uh, Kieran Donaghy and Kerry and. Um, when you're faced with the pack, the pack defense, you know you you can um, employ uh, versions of basketball tactics and trying to move the ball to the other side to try to create little screens or little pockets behind the fourth line of defense and then get yeah. runners off the shoulder. So there's there's a whole host of different things you can do, but but uh, GEA because of the size of the pitch, it's 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 non-linear um, uh, as as uh, as basketball and. If, more players in the field as well so so you you, you you have a couple of you have a suite of options in your head but you've also you don't want to coach out the um ingenuity and the skill uh of, and the flair that individual guys have and you want them mm-hmm. to be able to do you know what geez, i fancy there's a goal on here it's, a, it's yeah. a six out of ten but feck it yeah it's on and they go for it and uh, that's what i kind of encourage and i and i like to see um um, whereas other coaches, I know certainly Jim, the way Dublin went, there was far less goals scored um, in the closer games. But um, uh, the Hammer teams in the Leinster, of course, but in the more matched up games, they, they they were all about being economic with possession and where they're shooting from, the shot to score ratio and the scoring zone, you know. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. no, I was just kind of curious of where you'd lie in that kind of spectrum there. Yeah. And so, because when you be, when you be coaching UCD, you'd have a pretty high turnover rate in players. And say mm-hmm. like your key player from two years ago might have even left. How do you kind of uh, establish a culture, or what do you do to kind of keep a kind of a team hierarchy even? Yeah, so it, it, it's a great question, and and, and it's the beauty of third level sport, Connell, with the turnover of players and having to get a, a new group, um, where there's a first year group coming in. And then integrating those fellas from first year into a senior setup or an intermediate development setup. Um, I suppose the best way to to, to something we probably do is is you know the vice captain might be somebody who has another year or two to go, and um, they'll take up the reins as uh, as captain um, when their time comes. Uh, not always in that order, but uh, that's something that um, we can do and we do do on occasion. Um, it, it it's it's. I suppose you have to set standards, but you also have to be realistic for the college guy. The college guy isn't always going to be on time. Um, the inter-county guy has to be. Club mm-hmm. guy has to be. The college guy isn't always going to be on time. There's a small bit of leeway there, but where somebody is continually late, well, then they're taking the mick, and then yeah. you have to bring it up with them. So time is and being punctual is, is, is something which... And in, 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 in my friends will tell you, if they were listening to this, they'd be saying, don't mind him, he's a spoofer. He's late for everything, right? 
or I take my time. So in general life, I'm very easy going, kind of. But I was never late for sport. I really late for sport. I'm always there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes from my dad as well, uh, who was late for everything bar sport, you know. But uh, <laughs> and he'd be bringing his your game. So, um, um, so by, by by being punctual is 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 it's a standard which is born out of a value, and that value is, is kind of respect for the team, respect for the management, respect for the university that. But being on time, the session gets run off on time. I'm not missing the messages, and that I'm respecting my 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 teammates. So once there's that bit of respect there, there's a again uh, uh, an intangible, um, unscientifically uh, uh, an ability to prove it. But there's a connection that begins to form with with a with a player. So simple stuff like that. Um, and then in terms of how we train the guys, Connor, we've always been very with UCT. We've always and John Dibley, uh, there's a lot of work in this. The uh, Fitz guys as well is is looking at the training profile and and the schedule of fellas. And we would do a good bit of work with county managers, and making sure that guys weren't being overburdened, so that they yeah. enjoyed coming to UCD training. And, and that if you had a hard game, a league game on a Sunday, or if you play a league game on a Saturday with the county, or some of you are playing the Sunday, the guys are playing the Sunday, meet in the dress room. Uh, we're playing UC, DCU on a Thursday. Or Wednesday. Here's a couple of tactics. To think about those who played on Sunday. Jump into the pool. You see afterwards those who played Saturday. Come out to the pitch, do the warm up. You go in. Those who didn't play, we're going to do a decent session with you. And that's the way we used to plan it. And so guys yeah. respect you for respecting them. You know, and that's something. Mm-hmm. That, and 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 and, and uh, I have to credit all the other universities in in, uh, in doing this as well because uh, the GA officers do. Do do uh, great work and, and managers that uh, to ensure players are being flogged, you know. So yeah, for sure, it's kind of like load management essentially because yeah. there's no point just flogging them for no reason. Yeah, but um, in in you kind of touched on like that connection you kind of build and the culture you foster. Mm. Like in 2015, you took over from uh, David Billings, who mm. kind of had a bit a bit of an influence in your life. Like he's yeah, been a yeah. man and helped you in minute. Uh, how did you find stepping into like essentially the the position that was created for him? It, 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 like to me, um, Connell, I, I, I always embraced channel challenges, and I was very excited. I, 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 I had the guts of maybe seven years of teaching done and school chaplaincy, and I was looking for a new challenge, and um, so I was very excited to get into the um, to get into the role. Um, I was also very much aware of, of, of the role was created because a man died, and then that man is, is somebody who I knew uh, extremely well. He had mentored me um, through my early Dublin uh, playing career, and he was someone who um, I, uh, yeah, would have been extremely fond of, and, and uh, I, I was very much aware of, of of how much he would have given himself to to UCD GA and to St Vincent as well, Connell. Um, so I, yeah, I, I just stepped in and I got on with it. I I looked at what was good um, about what Dave had done, and and you know the the the, the biggest legacy Dave. Um, probably leaves and, and the students have gone through UCD who can attest to this far better than I but, but it, it, his love of the individual his love of the person his, his sense of care for the person um, football hurling camogie aside um, helping guys out with accommodation ladies out with finances career advice um, changing courses um, love advice um, I've heard all sorts of wonderful stories for, for Dave and um, and that was something which I was very much um, keen to 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 maintain and to 
and to uphold. Um, but yeah, no big, 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 big shoes to fill. Uh, fill. The the biggest challenge I'd say was probably for some of my colleagues was, was that you had a someone who who would diet and was carried out of position, uh, and to have a, a younger guy coming in with with um, with, with you, you know WhatsApp and um, up to up to speed with online registrations and maybe streamlining things a bit differently um, to, to, to how it would have been gone before. So it's probably a bigger challenge to them than it, than it was to me. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think um, that's a nice little thing to fill, I think, with the connection you said with Dave Billings and all that. I just want to say thanks a million for doing this. And I can say for certain, because even myself, when I was in Freshers and I dislocated my finger, sure you were there, drove me to the hospital and that kind of way. So you're definitely helping out the students similar to what your man did as well. She's a cunt, I forgot that, actually. You were always yeah. in the wars, you know that? Uh, literally, yeah. Now I've been flat out with injuries, that's for sure. <laughs> You'll have to take up basketball or, 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 I don't know, tennis or cycling or something. Yeah, like I, think, I think cricket might be the column for me or something. Even that, you get injured in, jeez. But, um, yeah, <laughs> thanks for that again. Appreciate it a lot, Jerry. It's good. Cheers, and uh, I know you're I know you're saying that I'm, I said a story which you helped me, and I know there's a lot of people that say the same. Maybe not Declan Sullivan now, but I say the majority of everyone else would be saying the same thing. <laughs> Well, Joe, I, 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 before the All Ireland final last year, um, or the for the five in a row final, uh, myself and Declan were doing a, a gig in in, in in Coppers with Matt Cooper, and geez, <laughs> we had a great time there, and a few other Kerry boys and Dublin lads as well. But we could good chat with him, you know. But um, mm-hmm. I always maintain as as uh, and he has no issue with it. He got a nudge in the back from Michael Darren McCauley, and he slipped into my elbow. And that was yeah. that. But the rest is history, you know. But he was a he was a great guy, you know. I used to love marking him because he was so good and, and you knew you have to be you know, well I was I was always interested and uh, excited to see um to play against the better guys out there to see where I was at, you know. But the two fellas I could never get a handle on was Gooch and uh Steve Yeah. So that's you to this day. And uh, thanks Melinda, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, right. it was very good. God bless. Bye bye. That's the end of another episode. I hope you've taken something away from this, and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, good luck.